Welcome to the Resilient Chat with Nat. I am so grateful you are here. I'm Natasha O.M., your host for this podcast. I'm a trauma survivor and a trauma-trained somatic coach. I specialize in guiding trauma survivors to release stress and trauma from the body and expand their nervous system's capacity. You can find out more about my work at www.akkuholistichealth.com. My mission is to help others break the cycle of abuse and trauma. I understand the healing journey can be overwhelming. My intention with this podcast is to show you that you are not alone, to inspire and to create a ripple effect of love, growth and consciousness. This is a space where I will be sharing with you transformation stories as well as a combination of ancient and modern teachings to help you build resilience and move from pain to power. Hello and welcome back to another episode for the April Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Trigger warning for this episode, there are some mentions of sexual assault and sex. If you feel this topic may trigger you, please feel free to pause or stop here. Our intention for this episode is to create a safe space to discuss this taboo topic, provide some knowledge and education around the topic, and let you know that we are here with you. Being intimate, trusting others again, creating boundaries, problems with libido or sex drive make sense when we have experienced trauma, especially sexual trauma. But with that being said, it does not mean that it is your fault or that you are broken or damaged, none of that. As a sexual assault survivor myself, I struggled and questioned all of these things. When I started to have a serious relationship, I noticed all of these trauma responses resurface and it was because I was finally in a safe relationship. I was finally in a safe environment as well. Mentally, I was ready to be in my body, to come back home to my body. I was like, you know, let's go, let's go back to my body, let's be present. After years of disconnection and dissociation because it wasn't safe to be in my body. However, as I kind of journey back to my body, then that's when I faced my trauma responses. And this is what can happen when we are in a safe relationship or safe environment, our symptoms or responses can manifest. So this is an invitation for you to send compassion to yourself and let go of the shame. I know that it is difficult, but I believe in you and I know that you can do it. And it is not your fault. It's our beautiful system, actually, that has been trying to protect us. And the healing actually begins when we are aware of what is happening. Hence, this is why you're probably listening to this podcast episode. You need to educate yourself a little bit more or to just become aware. And also realizing what is it that you are struggling with and then when you are ready to feel it. So in this episode, I've invited a certified intimacy coach and a PhD candidate in holistic psychology and sexology. 
Her name is Tukce. She is from Turkey and she teaches people competency and consciousness. She refers to herself as the child Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Ruth never had. Okay, hello Tukce. So happy to have you here and you know to talk about this juicy juicy topic um, and a taboo topic. I feel like because mm. you know I'm always talking about like taboo topics <laughs> so I love this and plus we need to have more conversations like this um, especially you know in schools or stuff like that so mm. to have this ability right now <laughs> to use this channel and talk about the topics that we like or that we want other people mm. to hear and just have more awareness about I'm just so excited to, to really jump into it. So, yeah. Thank Welcome. you. Welcome. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm so excited to talk about this topic. Like you said, I think it's a big taboo and we need to break the taboo and have more honest and open conversations. And just, you know, through conversation, we will actually learn more about it, what it means and what it means to us. So, I'm so excited. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, just real quick, you know, maybe people are wondering, like, how do you? get to be an intimacy coach like what made you decide to become one <laughs> oh it's a great question <laughs> uh, and a lot of people have been asking me especially from high school um there's kind of two components to how i ended up becoming a holistic psychologist and sex coach um one was uh so before this my previous job i was a sustainability consultant so um, particularly focusing on oceans and we worked a lot with a lot of business leaders, a lot of CEOs, and um, you know, I went to the World Economic Forum, the you know, New York Climate Week, all of this. And through there, um, my whole intention of going into that area was because I felt such a connection with nature itself, and I wanted to preserve what was happening to our ecosystem. But you know, through talking to a lot of people in power, you can see that they feel so disconnected from themselves, let alone the environment, that it felt like I was kind of trying to, um, I, I was working at the problem in the wrong end, right? It's almost like, first, we have to go back to the basics of we need to first find connection to ourselves, then to one another, and then we will understand how we're connected to this um, atmosphere in themselves. So this was kind of the growing frustration at work. Coupled with that, um, we talk a lot about this, but how we live our relationships, how our relationships play out is a lot to do with, of course, our environment impacts it, but a lot to do with our childhood as well and how we grow up. Mm. And um, at the time of, you know, all of this conflict at work, I was also dealing with a lot of frustrations with my own romantic life. Um, mm. It was my third very serious relationship. And even though they're completely different people, I was having the same patterns, the same problems, same anxieties. And I just was hitting a wall. And I understood that there was a lot of trauma that I actually didn't um, deal with on my own mm. from my childhood. And I was putting a lot of expectations onto my partners. So this has been an ongoing understanding of my own self and how I love and why I love the people I love for almost six, seven years. Um, and working with, you know, energy healers and, uh, you know, I kind of had these breakthroughs of my own. And I said, this is incredible. You know, everyone can use um, sexual healing in a sense and understanding, you know, romanticism and how we, how we relate to love. Um, and really apply it to their life and, you know, heal and change. So um, 
I just kind of quit my job and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going <laughs> to pursue a PhD. I'm going to become a sex coach and just talk about this, especially because it's so taboo. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in the US or North America, it's a bit more open slowly, not even that mm-hmm. much. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Turkish originally, and this was never a subject that even though my mom is super liberal and, you know, everything is okay to talk about, there's really not that much understanding around these subjects. So, yeah. Yeah. I can I can agree with that as an Indonesian it's I mean still today yeah. we don't talk about this as much like people just kind of go around it you know or just totally yeah. <laughs> avoid it like oh la 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 I'm not listening or it's uh, seen as a sin you know or dirty to mm-hmm. talk about it so oh my goodness I have so many questions <laughs> Um, let's see where we're to begin. So you talk, you mentioned about connection, connection um, with nature, connection with others, you know, all of us. And right now, with especially what's going on in the world, right, um, there is a big disconnection. How do you feel about that current situation right now with many of us, especially are not able to have physical contact um, and especially those who are single, because I assume people who are in relationships and living together, you know, they at least have that physical contact, of course, if they are in good terms. (laughs) Um, But yeah, for a lot of people, um, it's a little bit difficult. I think... um... It's, it's such a good question and it's such a um, sad answer because, you know, we as humans in this, you know, 3D world itself, you know, we're such social beings and we want that human touch. We want that sense of connection and even, you know, beyond just romanticism, just even not being able to see people and just feeling isolation. I can, it, it does do a lot of harm. I mean, we saw the rates of depression go up, the rates of anxiety, rates of suicide, unfortunately. So, at a world where pre-COVID, where we, I think we're already so disconnected um, because there is this whole phenomenon of even though we are living in such a social media age and there's so many platforms available to connect, the, the science behind it is, or the studies that show that even though we have this platform, we're actually the most least connected generation compared to our families and grandparents. Mm. We're the least sexually active generation. We're the least generation that has fewer Mm. partners and even if people are having sex they're the least satisfied so there is this whole regression that's all that was already happening before covid which is already very sad i i did not know that like i would assume that um you know people would be more liberal now because you know now we have like tinder and all of these different dating apps that people are having more like sexual partners than in the past I think there is this like pseudo, I think there's more maybe conversation and uh, empowerment, but when it comes mm-hmm. to the actual, like doing the deed, let's say, yeah. um, there's, I, I was just uh, talking to someone else last night, Hinge just released a study where I think it's from every 500 matches, only one leads to a phone number exchange. And even from that phone number exchange, it's very unlikely that those two people will meet in real life. And this was like pre- Uh, Um, pre-COVID it's also interesting to think about this like why this is happening right like and now we can add like COVID and being more in isolation Um, when we look at our generation or the millennials people born in the 1990s I don't know the lines Mm -hmm. are so blurred between generations Um, actually 
uh, we look at like why why are we having less sex so there, there's also you know geographical reasons so our generation is less likely to move out at a young age so everyone's still living with their parents so it's a bit uncomfortable people for people to you know maybe have a sexual partner when their parents are next door we also have the uh, stress factor right uh, I mean you know a lot about this when we have mm-hmm. such high cortisol levels because we're working so hard or we're just you know, in this overdrive uh, state, this fight or flight state, our libido just just totally crashes. Um, Mm -hmm. People who are on antidepressants, this has a huge impact on your sex drive as well. And um, just beyond all of this, I think we're also a generation where people don't really want to settle down that quickly compared to our parents or grandparents, right? Like people want to, especially women finding this liberation, want to work. and because they are a bit more empowered, they have more options, they can be a bit more, they can have normal standards. <laughs> I'm not going to even say mm-hmm. high standards, normal standards. Um, and all these factors coupled with COVID um, now, it's, I think, having a hard impact on people. I mean, I'm single myself and I was isolated for the first six months. I didn't see anyone and I found it extremely difficult because um because if you're alone as well and you want that sense of connection um even if you're on a dating app after a while it just gets really dull itself right Mm -hmm. because you know it's not going to lead anywhere Mm -hmm. um so it is a bit of a bit of a hard situation for a lot of single people i think they either tend to you know i'm just going to stay and do me or people who then do try and meet through dating apps are trying to find creative ways to connect with one another yeah yeah and plus like you know touch is our primordial sense and um, we need touch as human beings in order to survive and thrive yeah so yeah yeah I think I was talking to someone yesterday about this like as things maybe slowly start to open up now I mean shutting down and opening up but let's Mm -hmm. say hopefully in the near future things will open up there's also this massive social anxiety people have of meeting new people. Like people, hmm. there's so much com- com- conversation around this. Like, how am I gonna, what does dating even look like now, right? Because, mm-hmm. and I think the only good side of this whole thing is that it really does encourage people to a bit, be a bit more candid um, and a bit more upfront when they have um, these conversations mm. with potential people. Because you already have to have the, what do I want conversation and for you to have that conversation you need to know what you want and two you need to have the sexual health or general health conversation right of um, what does someone's sexual health look like how many partners that they have are they seeing people so that you can make a good judgment call on if you want to actually meet up with this person during a global pandemic so maybe that's the only like good that's true (laughs) yeah that's true I yeah so you're saying that it would that with the situation right now, it is encouraging people to be more open mm-hmm. with their history mm-hmm. and also with their needs. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are taking the time to, or I would encourage people if you're single at this time to really figure out before you start dating again, um, you know, how you love and how you like to be loved so that when you do meet people, um, you're coming from a more aligned space where you're you know open heart open mind rather than this like fear of man I don't want to go through another lockdown or I don't know what's going to happen I really want to find someone and I think that was the reaction with a lot of people after we had the 
first wave and people heard that it was going to close down again and people were like I need to find someone to hang out with during COVID I mean everyone was telling me I need to find a you know either friends with benefits or someone because I can't do another lockdown alone and um, Mm. I think going more inwards uh, and facing those fears and identifying those um, key values will be helpful as we open up and you know explore the dating scene again yeah I love that yeah Yeah, exploring your key values and identifying them. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, how can we then start to build this connection again or Mm. or increase our sex drive, our Mm. libido, like, you know, for people, because right now there's a lot of stress, whether it is at work, as what you mentioned, like, whether it is at work or the pandemic Mm. stress, um, relational stress, there's a lot, a lot of us are going through so many things. And I feel that also more people are taking antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills. So yeah, how how do you think, um, yeah, these people can, what can they do? think um so i mean sex drive and libido is an interesting topic because so many things affect our libido and um, you know it can be menopause like you said it could be stress antidepressants trauma or other medical conditions both for Mm -hmm. females and males um so it's a thing that's up and down you know on the daily so already i would say if you are with a partner um you know this we have to break this idea of us and our partner have to have high libido at the same time because it can it can vary and I think sometimes people get a bit um, anxiety or the other partner might get a bit uh, you know annoyed like why don't you want to have sex with me and we just first need to acknowledge that our libido is going up and down and we have to respect our partners um, our partners flow a little bit but um, if you are someone who is who maybe doesn't have a medical condition or these things, but are just kind of feeling like, you know, you want to tap into your pleasure a bit more, or you want to explore and you just are kind of in this, you know, funk and you don't know how to get out. Um, I would say a good place to start. I mean, let's talk about individuals and couples. I would say for an individual, a good place to start is just exploring and just creating small rituals for yourself. So Sometimes I think we look, think about masturbation as like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to go out and it's going to be cha-cha-cha and it's like yeah. the same routine or like, you know, the same thing over and over again and like, you know, all good and maybe you get a boost, but um, how do you create a sensual experience for yourself? So this could be a 45 minute just sensual touch and masturbation session for yourself. This could be running a bath and, you know, getting into the flow, or this could be, of course, a quick masturbation um, session again. But um, I think just identifying, you know, how to explore your body a bit more. It's a great time for single people to also figure out when we talk about, if, if someone comes to you and says like, I wanna know what you like, or I wanna know what, what, what are your pleasure points? Sometimes that question is very daunting for people like, oh my God, am I supposed to, you know, come up with this intense fantasy and sound Mm. really sexy and this is, you know, action go and no, I think sometimes we have to break it down to, you know, our senses, you know, maybe thinking about um, what are the things that you like to hear? Is it music in the background? Is it maybe nature sounds? Is it just silence? What are the smells? Like what kind of environment do you want to light a candle? Do you want to have some sense going on? Um, you know, what are the things? Are you, do you want to wear something, you know, comfortable or do you want to be naked? Um, things that you want to eat, drink, like mm-hmm. maybe just thinking about all your senses and like 
how can you create and increase certain senses and heighten them to add to this pleasure and this ritual essentially and um love that yeah, yeah. and i think I'll... yeah now go ahead you're gonna say no, something no, and i was gonna say and i think um uh, that is the most you can do for you know just exploring yourself taking the time to explore yourself if you're single mm-hmm. and if you're a couple there is so many things you can do to uh, and this can be another point like to explore and spice up if you're you know if you're if you're actually living working sleeping all with the same person in you know a, a house as well it might also get a bit um draining or you know like you're again in the routine uh you know seven minute sex go to bed and, you know like this kind of mm. cycle um True. a lot also that you can do to spice up your your sex life or your intimacy or your sensuality with your partner or partners yeah so what would be like that one uh, thing do you think you can suggest so do you think like um for example are you saying would this apply for couples that like let's say they have lost their spark and they're stuck mm. in that routine um like like exactly like what you said you know go to work you wake up and then maybe you have sex and then that's it you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. really stuck in this routine. <laughs> I think, and I think like sometimes we think, oh, am I stuck in a routine? Like I'm not even that old yet. And like, you know, it, it does get very boring very quick if we're not mm. incorporating new things. For me, I mean, there's so many things, but I think the, the art of erotic talk, the dirty talk, I mean. I love that. The I, art of the erotic I, talk. <laughs> it's so underrated. It's so underrated. And I think there's so much shame and stigma attached to uh, vocalizing uh, things you want, things you want to try with your partner. And even, you know, just uh, maybe you have fantasy or something you want to communicate doesn't have to become reality. But um, there are so many ways to do erotic talk will we'll bring in more creativity, pleasure, and that sense of playfulness. Because I think when the spark is gone, it's essentially like you're out of this high vibe energy of flowing and fun and light to more dense, like, you know, ah, oh, like we have to have sex or like, mm. oh, I'm frustrated. Let's get this out of the way. But like, how do we actually activate that sense of playfulness? So mm-hmm. um, there's so many things like there is a, a thing called like a yes and yes, no, maybe list. So this is a great list mm. for all couples to identify, you know, their desires, their boundaries, their um, their wants. This is, you can just type it or you can <laughs> email me and I can just send you a free one. And it's great because you can, literally go through a list of all sexual things not just penetration right like sensual things and then match it with your partner like do we want to go to a sex store and you know pick out some sexy laundry do we want to try I don't know like anal rimming do we want to try bringing a vibrator into the room like just different things that maybe you wouldn't think of Um, and also I think uh, for couples and I think um, a lot of actually a lot of people talk about this but uh, creating like relationship rituals right like we always think like Netflix and chill or like having dinner with a partner at the end of the day is a ritual which is lovely but sometimes like what are and I'm not saying it has to be grand right like rose petals mm-hmm. uh, you know it's like five, 50 candles and like all this it's great if you do this if you have a boyfriend like this but uh, like maybe smaller things like what are some small relationship rituals that um, you look forward to at the end of every month or you know every two weeks Mm. Um, and these are things that you can look forward to lists are always good because the more you're willing to expand your the more you're willing to become vulnerable and expand your uh, intimate experiences easier said than done Um, 
will add a lot, right? Like you are essentially trusting that person so much that you are willing to try different things that you might not like and it's uncomfortable, but then it's like a good memory and it's something different, right? So. Yeah. And so thank you so much for sharing all, all of that and really interesting. But then I'm thinking, you know, for people, because I work, as you know, I work a lot with trauma survivors. For people who are, um, you know, have a lot of trauma, mm. especially a around sex, how can they break through the shame? Because, um, you know, having these rituals like, um, Mm -hmm. with your partner I think that's like the next step right and but the first step how can they break through mm -hmm. the shame of you know even thinking about that yeah. <laughs> and yeah. having that talk with their partner yeah. like hey I want to explore this or because it can be still so mm -hmm. um uncomfortable I'm not even people for that um have sexual trauma for for instance it could also be you know like you and i people like my, people who are from indonesia you know mm -hmm. who still um see this topic as taboo and mm. they don't want to talk about it i think it, it's a it's a great question and i'm i would like to, i'm not uh, i'm learning more and more about uh you know approaching people who have gone through certain levels of trauma mm -hmm. um and I think that's like a whole nother, um, it's very, very sensitive and very, I think it yeah. needs a lot of detailed and yeah. you know, attention. But 100%. if we are just, you know, taking a step back, I think for me, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I think this applies to everyone, but especially for someone who might be a trauma survivor and how to have this conversation is um, safety. So like mm -hmm. creating a, you know, safe space and what does that look like for your partner and you? And not just engaging in sexual activity, but actually sitting down and, you know, identifying like, I feel safe when you, or like, I feel safe when we are in and really going through and identifying what makes you feel safe uh, environment wise, but especially with a partner. And then once you've identified what makes you feel safe, exercising that over and over and over again, I think it's super hard to, dive into sex so quickly so I think being patient being vulnerable and it's not linear like anything I think this goes up and down and I think your partner needs to have a lot of understanding and they have to take um, responsibility and really understanding as much as they can about what that means for them like what does it mean to create a safe space and hold hold space for your partner um, and after that I mean you know more about like neuroplasty and plasticity <laughs> But after that, um, usually what we know is if you are a, not for everyone, but this is kind of general studies, um, if you are a sexual trauma survivor, there's usually a lot of pain or numbness attached to um, either your genitals or a certain area. Mm -hmm. So people don't even want to go there because it's either painful or it's numb and they don't know how to, and if it's painful, like why would you want to even have sexual relations, right? So they just tend to avoid yeah. it. And yeah you know, we now know with science and, um, you know, somatic practices as well, that we can work with the brain itself and neuroplasticity and really um, change the way we associate that numbness and that pain and turn it into pleasure. So um, if for anyone out there who's looking for a resource, the resource that I've been loving, loving, loving is this app called Kama. 
and it's essentially how do you spell that k-a-m-a comma app k-a-m-a yeah and it is like headspace for sexual wellness and there is a lot of you know couples uh, vulva owners penis owners but there's a lot of practices on training your uh your body from this pain and numbness and they're like guided uh not even masturbations guided um flows of touching yourself ways of touching yourself and different exercises that you can do daily and it's Mm -hmm. a muscle that you need to retrain if you are ready to go there right um that would be my first kind of step is to create that safe haven for yourself and your partner yeah yeah i love that i love that and um also i wanted to add it's that connection as well with your body Mm -hmm. right you mentioned about numbness um and especially if there has been a lot of trauma there, um, let's also work on yourself and how Mm -hmm. you can connect with your body. Because when you start to learn more about your body, then you know what you want and how to communicate that with your partner. Mm -hmm. And, And I think like it can be so scary, you know, for the first time to, to tune in again because I've also I know also that sometimes for trauma survivors who have experienced um, you know sexual trauma um, they may have a lot of like sexual intercourse like after the experience has happened Mm -hmm. but it is not because like you know a mindful kind of sex you know what I mean like it's more just to kind of discharge um, this energy but when they're actually in that moment they're disconnected from Mm -hmm. the body Um, so yeah if you want to definitely create you or anyone who is listening (laughs) want to create that um, deeper connection and I guess more mindful or meaningful um yeah conscious sexual relationships or sexual intercourse um definitely like look into connecting and creating a deeper relationship with your body and i think on that um people can check out the app but i'm currently um doing my tantra training and uh, mm. I'm doing a particular lineage where we look at how um, you can harness your sexual energy really not just for incredible, um, you know, incredible sex, but also really to heal yourself from certain traumas, including sexual trauma. Mm. And I think for people who even think maybe um, the idea of touching there or going there is so much, um, I would encourage people to Google either synchronized breathing or coupled breathing, Mm. which are two different techniques that you can do with just your partner. And you don't even have to touch. You can maybe, you know, have your hands touching, but you don't even have to touch where it gets you into this energy of you creating one flow of breath, which is so grounding and so powerful. And if you don't even want to do that, you can start with just connecting and looking with the eyes on one another. And, you know, we, um, they found with these three different methods that, you know, after I think seven or 10 minutes of doing this, you know, your heartbeat starts sinking, um, your body temperature starts sinking, a lot of things become in sync um, on a very deep level with your partner. And I think these will be great places to also start for people who don't want to think about necessarily like even uh, touching their genitals and like, how can we start Mm. with other parts of the body, right, to ground ourselves Mm. and be more mindful and connected, like you said. Yeah, I like that. I've actually tried that breathing. Mm-hmm. It's it's really nice. Mm, yeah. Okay. So um, how, let's 
I have a, a lot of other questions. <laughs> How can we build trust after mm. it has been broken? This is a big one, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think people have different methods, but from my experience and what I would recommend is uh, kind of like a three-stage process, but depending on where you can land. Um, understand, acknowledge, forgive. So I think the first step is to understand why your partner, let, let's say when we say trust, my mind immediately goes to cheating, but it could be another mm -hmm. And we have to first define what cheating is, you know, is it texting mm. someone else or is it like physical? So mm -hmm. after you've decided, um, you know, what that uh, thing was for you, uh, let's say trust was broken. Understanding. So normally cheating is an outcome, not the reason why people break up anyway. So your partner has cheated, but this is an outcome. So first we have to understand why, why this happened. Um, if there was an agreement that, you know, this was, um, you know, off boundaries. And I think when people try to have this conversation, um, they really speak from a place of ego and hurt rather than mm. from a place of uh, really understanding like what's going on with their partner. Like, because unless you're dating, of course, a narcissist, a gaslighter, a love bomber, all of these things. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, let's say if you had like a healthy relationship and this occurred, um, really coming from like really having that conversation, honest and open enough where you're not speaking from, you did this to me, but really removing yourself and trying to understand like why this occurred. Once, you know, let's say you went through the first stage, which is easier said than done, but you've had this conversation and you've understood why that happened. I think the second stage is like acknowledging that it happened and then asking yourself, mm. like, how do you feel about this? Like not, of course, you're going to be hurt, sad, all these things are going to come up, but like on a deeper sense, do you think you can acknowledge and forgive like do you have that power to forgive um mm. and if you if, 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 if this was like a no I this was such a hard line for me I can't believe you did this to me at that point you need to let it go <laughs> walk away but if you decided mm. okay you know what like I love this person this happened I understand why this happened maybe most of the time you know when someone cheats this is you know monogamous couples so of course it doesn't apply for everyone but it's because mm -hmm. they're either felt like they weren't you know, they weren't seen, they weren't acknowledged, they weren't loved. They're yeah. seeking for something else outside yeah. the relationship. Very true, yeah. And then we talk about forgiveness. And and this, this I think people see this as, you know, you have to earn your trust back and this is going to take so long and I'm going to have this lingering over your head for such a long time. And every time we have an argument, I'm going to bring it up. And this is, this yeah. is so wrong because this is not forgiveness this is essentially you know holding on to that fear of what happened and just almost using it to make that person feel worse every day so that they maybe act in a way that you want them to to gain your trust back and this is not yeah. how it works it, it sounds almost like a revenge, right? Exactly. Like you hurt me. Now I have this card and exactly. I'm like going to use it whenever, you know? Exactly. And I think this is, this is, this ultimately breaks up the, it, it just does more destruction than the initial, you know, initial fight. So mm -hmm. for, for me, I mean, I, everyone's different, but I think writing things are super powerful, right? Like we talk a lot about, about writing um, your, you know, childhood self a note or writing mm -hmm. your parent that hurt you a note. It's a similar way, similar exercise. Writing a forgiveness letter for your partner 
and maybe even writing a forgiveness letter for yourself for, you know, maybe if there's any shame or guilt of you feel like you were a part of this and putting it all down. And then I think almost like creating some sort of ritual of burning or some sort of ending to it where you have to kind of wrap that up and say, you know, this happened and you have to be willing to not hold it against someone else. And I think this is the only way you can move forward after trust is broken. You know, you both have to come together and, you know, acknowledge that if we want to move forward, this person needs to forgive. This person needs to, of course, work to gain the trust back, but it has to be this balanced energy or else, um, you know, without forgiveness, there is no love, right? Um, mm. Forgiveness is the foundation of how you can think, build trust again. All yeah. sounds easier said than done, but I, I really yeah. do think it's powerful. Yeah, it does sound easier <laughs> said than done. Yeah. Do you, do you know if it can be done or if it has been done? I think I do have uh, one client who uh, mm-hmm. recently went through this. Um, and for them, it's been working, but it has been... Um, a lot of like baby steps. Like I think this process, of course, is not going to take months, but it's, um, you know, you have to be willing to be ready enough on yourself to have this conversation, this acknowledgement, and maybe um, know when to have these conversations. It's not when you're, you know, feeling really emotional maybe and can't really, you're, you're, you know, you're in this fight or flight mode or you have your mm-hmm. inner child who wants to, you know, resolve the situation right now or you want to hear something, but it's how do you, get to that state of mind. And I do think it's doable. I mean, there's a lot of people that I know from studies um, that have had partners that cheated on them. And then they've had even a stronger relationship afterwards because this was kind of a moment for them to almost like re-glue the relationship together. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, to also, I guess, um, learn deeper about one another. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the reason I ask you that question is because, you know, I feel like it's the question that everybody tend to ask. And, um, you know, trust is such a big thing in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But it can also go away so quickly as well. And I know that like this question has come up like so many times uh, for so many people and for me as well in in the past. Um, So yeah, thank you for for covering this. Hmm. Yeah, so important. So let's talk about the other way. Um, Couples who have a lot of um, sexual intercourse and you know, they're really comfortable with one another, like in the bedroom and all of that, but they feel uncomfortable when it comes to having, you know, the deep and tough conversations. Mm. You know, I know couples that are like this, like they're, they're really good. And that's like the kind of the glue um, Mm. for their relationship, sex, which is great. But then when it comes to like, let's have you know, real deep connection, uh, emotional things about maybe your past or trauma or, or whatever. And when that time comes, it becomes, you know, uncomfortable, which can yeah. happen. Yeah. What is your opinion on that? Like, what do you think um, is happening or what do you suggest like they can do it? Because so, I guess usually, sorry to cut you, yeah. usually um, I find this often, um, in hetero uh, couples that it's the girl that <laughs> likes to have the talk yeah. and then the guys, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Like, yeah. you know, 
ordinary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you're so right, and and it can also go both ways. Where sometimes people are so comfortable just mm. in the act itself that when it comes to maybe bonding emotionally or spiritually, that um, they are like no way like don't even bring this up and let's go back to making out kind of situation <laughs> and I think, yeah. um, it could be um, it, it would depend on the person but I think um, when we have such strong uh, fears around connecting emotionally it's almost sometimes like it all goes back to yourself like do you feel like you don't deserve because okay let, let's go let's take a step back um we we talk a lot about like in the spiritual or the holistic community about how people's are people are just mirrors of ourselves right um how um you know we attract the energy or the vibration that we are currently emulating so if you find yourself in a situation where both people are avoiding or one person is avoiding this topic it's almost like uh, what are their internal dialogue what are their limiting beliefs about themselves of oh, I don't want to have this conversation because I don't, either they think they don't deserve this deep kind of love or they're uncomfortable or scared because of something. And so on an individual level, um, maybe thinking through these things, one. And two, uh, sometimes this could go both for the sex conversation or just uh, connecting deeply is when we want to have a conversation, sometimes it builds up, right? Like the energy builds up and you're like, okay, I have to find the perfect timing and I'm going to tell them and I'm going to, I want to talk about, you know, your relationship with your parents and why you did that. And, and I want to really connect and understand. And again, it's this like tense energy. And yeah. sometimes it's maybe approaching the person and saying, hey, you know what? Like, I love that we are so comfortable and confident and intimate with each other in the bed. And I would love to carry that energy into our emotional state. I would love to, you know, connect with you on different levels as well and really get to know you um, on a more, uh, you know, intimate emotional level. Um, do you have, do you have what, do, what do you think that sounds like to you? Like, is that something you would want? First, maybe giving them that, like not catching them off guard when you're eating, like tell me about the <laughs> worst moment of your life or like the most embarrassing, you know, people are like, what the hell? And once you've kind of like prepped the, mm. and again, it goes back to safety, right? Like, is are they comfortable? Are they feeling safe? Mm. Then I think you can have this in a more light way, right? Like, and again, an ongoing way. Um, people sometimes I think don't want to talk about these things because maybe they haven't said it out loud because they haven't processed, processed, processed it themselves. Sorry. So if there's something particularly that happened that they weren't happy with, or they're emotionally disconnected from themselves, it's hard to say it out loud um, to someone else. So it's almost like, I think the partner has to, or the other person has to read the other one. Um, and again, come with an invitation and open and, you know, it can happen, this can happen that the other person might shut you down. And then this, this can happen in any conversation, in a sex conversation or emotional. And that's just the reality we need to, you know, accept. Yeah. But I think if we come with more of a, hey, I really want to connect with you deeper. This is my intention. And this is why I want that because I care for you and acknowledge, you know, how you really feel about that person and give them that comfort that they can fall back on. I think people mm -hmm. do want to talk about it. It's just they maybe haven't felt like anyone would listen or they felt safe enough to talk about yeah. these things. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I feel like it all always comes down to communication and how you communicate your needs um, and your feelings to the other person, mm. which I feel like 
um, a lot of us tend to avoid or um, we fall into this like people pleasing pattern, right? Well, yeah. I don't really want to express my need because I'm afraid it's going to hurt his feeling. Yeah. And then you end up um, like getting hurt yourself and hurting yeah. yourself. And or maybe you go down into the, the shame spiral, you know, all of those things just because we don't communicate yeah. um, or we don't learn how to communicate effectively mm-hmm. um, and yeah I agree I agree I think people pleasing not you know maybe having the fear of I don't want to say the wrong thing and mm-hmm. you know it's it's hard because uh, I think relationships are the most complex thing we can navigate right like there's no one size fits all depending on that person's past experiences you know memories everything and it's the energy the intent and it's also the openness and it's also sometimes realizing you know Maybe I don't want to say something wrong, um, but ultimately, like, why, why do I feel like I don't want to say something wrong? Is it because we feel like if we say something wrong, that person's going to have an intense reaction and leave? Um, yeah. Then why do we feel that way? <laughs> you know, so it really goes back to you again, like, okay, maybe they will leave. So then am I scared of, you know, being alone? So I don't want to have these conversations. So it does go back quite deep in terms of like, what are the internal dialogues you have with yourself and why do you feel that way? And, um, and and yeah, like what, what is stopping you from really opening up and being vulnerable? Um, which I understand that a lot of people associate with like weakness or uncomfortable or like weirdness. Yeah. So then would you say that, the more that we build a deeper connection with ourselves, the more that it will help our relationships. I think like a hundred percent. I think, you know, I, I was talking to someone else and we were talking about like showing up, um, how it's so important to show up in relationships rather than, you know, date like the potential and like, oh, I know he's going to be great when he, da, da, da. like, no, that the it's when people show up. And most of the time when people show up in relationships, they're actually showing up for themselves, you know, we, we really reflect the values that we live by to the other person. You know, if you're honest with yourself, you are with the other person. If you hold, mm-hmm. um, hold yourself accountable, responsible, vice versa. So um, I, I do think, I, I, and that's not to say like, if you are struggling, you can't be in a happy relationship because there's a lot of talk out there of like, oh, if you're wounded, like, please don't date until you heal. No, I think relationships can be such a healing moment, but, 100%, um, yeah. but I think it's finding this balance and understanding where you stand. Yeah, yeah, I agree on that. You do not have to already be healed because technically none of us are, are healed. 100% exactly. healed, right? We're all still in the journey. Maybe you haven't started or maybe you're in the middle mm-hmm. or whatever, but none of us are really at the end. I always say like, if you are at the end of that, that means like you're dead or something. Exactly. You, know? you don't exist anymore. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but yeah, it's, so definitely you don't have to be healed to mm. be in a relationship or in a secure relationship. relationship. I agree. Hmm. I agree. Okay. All right. Well, there has been a lot of um, wonderful, juicy details, knowledge have been shared. And um, actually just like one last question, because I think it's an important one. How can we harness our sexual Mm. energy? How do you think we can do that? Um, You know, I 
have been uh, trained in Himalayan Kundalini yoga as well. And, you know, and I feel like um, I learned that sexual energy is actually our true nature. Mm-hmm. Um, life force. Like, exactly, our life force. And all of us are sexual beings, but many of us suppress it because once again we go back into like oh it's dirty it's sinful Mm. and all of that or maybe trauma blah 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 so how do you think we can harness our sexual energy this is such a good and I think ongoing and if you were if we were to have this conversation maybe in six months a year I think my answer will change but (laughs) for sure you know like taking a step back I think especially in the spiritual community there's also a lot of shame even for people who are sexually liberal and I'm trying to really myself question and understand like where I stand with this view of a lot of people say you know don't masturbate, don't have sex, use that sexual energy, channel it to something else, da 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 da. And it's, it's actually a way of suppressing, uh, suppressing your urges. And every time you attach any sort of conditionality to an outcome, at this point, you're saying I need to do A to do B, you're also coming from a place of lack. So for a lot of coaches that, you know, are abundant coaches, or, you know, teaching about like the law of attraction that say, you know, like you have to do this and no, no. <laughs> so first of all, I don't agree with this. I think in terms of um, connecting to our or harnessing our sexual energy, um, and maybe you know the research around this, but I was reading this study that was done in India and it's fascinating. And they look at in the moment of orgasm, both for men and uh, females, um, what happens to your brain wavelengths. So they found that at this moment, uh, the brain actually reaches delta and theta brain waves, mm-hmm. which are very similar to when we're in a deep meditative state. So yes. first, so they say like, you know, for a spark of moment, you reach this level of enlightenment. So if we look at practices like Tantra or like Kundalini, um, they focus on how do we maybe take that, you know, five seconds or, you know, 10 seconds and really stretch it out to maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or it's ongoing. We don't have to ejaculate to associate that with um, sexual energy, nor do we need to have penetrative sex to actually, uh, you know, activate your sacral chakra or your, you know, your sexual energy. I think, like you said, it goes back to a lot of um, dropping to your body, a lot of, uh, you know, connection with, um, with your, you know, your, with your body and, um, the ones that I found that I'm doing right now, if we're talking about, you know, like different methods is I'm doing the different breath techniques to really focus my energy. Visualization is super powerful when we're doing these techniques. Um, and you know, your, your sacral chakra is your chakra for inspiration and creativity. So how do we tap into that flow state? I think it's just the more we, um, one, remove stigma away from it, and two, um, normalize exploring physically, but also in a spiritual way, your your genitals or that area. I think is more and more we will start to inevitably bring that playfulness, creativity, and inspiration back into just our daily lives, and thereby like live with this um, sexually harnessed energy. I think. Yes, I love yeah. that. <laughs> I love that, and also. Um, 
I've discovered that when we have sexual trauma, there is a lot of like tension you mentioned in that in that uh, chakra point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of tension around there as well um, in the body that, sh- mm-hmm. that shows up um, and how like the pelvis is positioned and stuff like that. So, yeah. And yeah. I mean, we, we hold so much uh so much also trauma there i think beyond i mean a lot of emotions are stored there so you know a question that i get i got commonly is you know i cry when i'm orgasming i cry like is that no and i cry as well so i thought for like the longest time i'm like this is super weird like why am i tears are coming like what like i'm happy there's nothing wrong i feel safe like and you know even that response that body's response is you know it's almost like a release you're having a emotional blockage release it's almost like if we were doing a if you were doing a session on me and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I start crying or you know it's again the same thing where you release certain tensions and all of this is so normal and the more we can educate ourselves and learn about you know how there's a connection between you know emotions and how it's related to your body the more I think we start to understand certain things and understand that it's normal if these things start happening to us, you know? Yeah, yeah. because if we also say that sexual energy um, is the life force energy, then all of our energy comes from, from that part. So yeah, it makes sense that like um, you start crying or maybe other types of release or yeah. reactions and because it helps to like move that mm. right from um, um, underneath there and just like, from the base, sorry, from yeah. the base, and just start moving things or moving um, trapped emotions that could mm. be stored in our body. So yeah, it makes total sense. I feel like all a lot of the modalities um, are connected, you know, in some in some mm. way. So yeah, I love this. Okay, well, thank you so much thank for you. for speaking on this podcast. It's been so lovely. Do you have any last words that you would like to say before we finish to all of our resilient listeners? <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And um, I, I, I'm an advocate listener. And I think what you're doing is incredible, amazing, and so healing and so important. And I also want to say to anyone that is um, wanting to explore these topics more to not feel ashamed and go for it. And you can reach out to so many people, including me, resources, and um, everyone is here to guide you through, um, guide you through your own sexual healing or just, you know, somatic healing um, journey as well. So this is an encouragement. PSA call yeah. to everyone. <laughs> yeah, so I understand that you're currently offering one-on-one um, intimacy coaching sessions for couples and individuals, right? Yes, that's true. Um, we can book a call or if you just have a question, you can also just email me and um, we can also chat from email as well. Um, I'm here to hold space for anyone who so has So where any can questions. they find you then? Yes, my website is currently <laughs> being built, but um, you can find me on Instagram. It's Twitcha Baluk. Um, maybe you can type it somewhere. Yeah, it yeah, will be <laughs> in the description. <laughs> Don't worry, my name is so complicated to <laughs> spell and people always mistaken it. So I will leave all of Thank the information, you. all of her information in the description if mm-hmm. you are interested to connect with her. And I think you should connect with her. <laughs> Thank you so much again for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you. 
I hope you have had some amazing takeaway from this episode and thank you so much for listening to the resilient chat with Nat. Be sure to subscribe to listen to more uplifting conversations and teachings and take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at N-A-T-H-A-S-Y-A-O-M so I know that you're listening, learning, and growing. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast to be found by people who are like you, who are on their healing journey or personal growth journey. Other than that, please be sure to tune in for the next episode and I'll talk to you next time. I can't wait to share more with you. I am sending you love.